Well, amen. Thank you, youth choir. And thank you, orchestra. Got all kind of musicians around here this morning. We appreciate you so much. This is the Lord's Supper Sunday. If you're a guest of First Baptist Church this morning and not a member, we want to let you know that uh, this is not our table, but the Lord's table, and you're welcome and encouraged to participate in that part of the service when we come to that in a little bit. Uh, this is uh, our time as the Christian community and not just a close little group here uh, to celebrate what Jesus has done for us. Three weeks ago, I mentioned money in here. I don't do that, but once in a blue moon. Uh, I just want to thank you for the last two Sundays. Now, I know today is the third Sunday of the month and what happens in churches on third Sundays. And, you know, it's kind of a dip usually in most months. But uh, the last two Sundays, the giving at First Baptist Church has been tremendous. And you have uh, given very generously and closed the gaps. In, in racing terms, uh, we have unlapped ourselves and we're back on the lead lap and we're closing. And so uh, tremendous uh, progress in the last two weeks. So thank you for your stewardship uh, and your love for this church and your love for the Lord Jesus that's reflected by stewardship. I went to my last Bruton Parker board meeting Thursday, told these guys uh, at, board, at uh, the Deacon board meeting this morning, the school needed to refinance, carrying debt like a lot of schools do, and had needed to refinance and start over. It was one of those points. And they got turned down on the first offer of what they thought needed to happen. And it was very disappointing and discouraging. And some godly bankers went to work on plan B. And uh, sovereign God, gracious God, was at work. And when the smoke cleared, the financial smoke cleared, uh, Bruton Parker gained a million dollars and the transition from one financial plan to another. So it's a million, it's a million dollars out of nowhere. So uh, God is indeed sovereign and God is gracious and he looks after his people. The Lord, the God of Israel declares, those who honor me, I will honor. Well, our series on family issues has brought us to the prodigal son's parable in Luke chapter 15. You may want to follow on the screen or grab your own Bible. And we've looked twice already at this parable we looked at the prodigal himself, and we noted that his problem, most of all, was that he wasted his life. And that's the very nature of the old Latin word that becomes our English word prodigal, uh, squandering, wasting opportunity. You can do that doing good things uh, if it's not the Lord's will for your life. Uh, and then we looked last week at the father's response to that, and we found his arms open wide. And we noted that him. If you'll take one step toward the Savior, my friend, you'll find his arms open wide. The prodigal found his father looking down the road, anticipating his return, praying for him, and his arms were open wide, and the return home was tremendous. And Jesus could have terminated that parable right there, and it still would have been the best parable, uh, in my humble opinion. Uh, all those great parables he told, but that would have still been the best one. But he adds one more little portion that we want to look at this morning, and it involves the family. It involves a big brother. Now, I want us to think back. We have not, it's been a long time since we looked at the early part of Luke 15, and we didn't do that before looking in this parable that really starts in verse 10 following, verse 11 and following. But if you were to go back to the beginning, you find why Jesus includes this third portion to this great parable. 
And it's not going to probably come up on the screen. So just listen carefully with me. Now, all the tax gatherers and sinners were coming near him, that is Jesus, to listen to him. And both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble. Imagine that. Uh, Saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. He's involved with the wrong kind of people, unacceptable people. These are not the kind of people that uh, God would smile upon, or so they would have said. And so Jesus launches in to the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin, and then this long parable about the prodigal. And that's the context, and we come this morning to verse 25, and we want to pick it up there. It says, now his older son was in the field. He was out doing work. He was out doing family business. He was out taking care of what sons are supposed to take care of. He's out in the field. And when he came near their house, he heard music and dancing. That's not usually what you expect at five o'clock when you pull in the driveway. And he summoned one of his servants and began inquiring what these things might be. Now, the way Luke records the words of Jesus, the way it's described, he didn't just ask a question, hey, what's, what's it about? He is asking questions. He's interviewing. He finds one of the young servants or workers in the household there, and he's interviewing. What in the world is going on here today? I thought this was an ordinary work day, and I'm hearing music, and people are celebrating. What in the world is going on? And he said to him, now when you go through these next few verses... I want you to look at the possessive pronouns, the pronouns that are in there that show some ownership or or some belongingness. So there are a lot of yours and you and, and that woven into what he says here. He, that's the young servant, said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he's received him back safe and sound. Now, I don't want to read too much into it, but the way the young servant responds to the older brother probably stirred him up. He's probably bristling and churning already, and the words of the servant stir him up a bit more. There is another place in just a few verses where the calf that's involved, that's going to be the, the feature serving for the feast and celebration, it's called the fattened calf, and you just take an adjective that means fattened or the, the, the beefed-up calf for the meal. We talked about that last week a bit. You could just put an adjective there and describe that calf, or you can do it the way sometimes the, the language, the New Testament language does, and Luke likes to record it for emphasis, and he says, the, the father of you, your father killed the calf. I mean the fattened one. It's like the, the feature one. The, not, he didn't just, he's not just preparing a meal. He's gone and gotten the best of what's there to be served here. Why? He says because he's received him back in sound condition. He's alive. His heart's being transformed. This is an incredible day. And your father has killed the calf. I mean the fattened one. Now, you can identify, lots of us could identify with that older brother 
probably all of us at some station in life, you have been just like this big brother, and that's why Jesus is telling you this parable. He became angry and was not willing to go in. And his father came out and began entreating him. Uh, the, the words uh, comes from parakaleo, the, the name of the Holy Spirit. It's the paraclete. It has to do with encouragement or coming alongside. And the father comes out and he finds big brother. And he's upset. He's, he's been angered by what's occurred. And he's not even wanting to go in the house. I don't even want to see that guy. This is no celebration for me. But the father goes out. This is an incredible father. We saw his response to the younger son last week. The, the father goes out to the older son, and the way Luke records it, he was encouraging him. He's spending time with the older son. Buddy, you got to get your heart right here. This is a huge day for our family, and you've got to get your heart, your spirit right. Because he had problems, but today you've got a problem that needs to be addressed. But he answered and said to his father, look, for many years I have been serving you, and I have never neglected a command of yours. Now, parents, anybody here ever raised a child that never failed to do what they were told to do? I don't, if you've got a success story like that, I really want to hear about it. Is uh, a father of three... I never saw that happen. And I've looked at a lot of families in the church. But he says, filled with pride and self-righteousness. I never neglected anything you told me to do. And yet, you have never given me a kid. He's talking baby goats here. A young goat. That I might be merry with my friends. That I might have a party. And uh, even the... The big brother's attitude is that, that I might have a, go have a party with my friends. It's nothing about the father in his mind there. But you never even gave me a little goat. I've been to a goat feast. And when you get through with a goat, there's not a lot, of, there's not a lot to a goat. It's like a, a big dog maybe. And not a lot of meat there. Uh, I probably told you about going to a, a goat feast at our Bible college. And I was kind of last in line when I got there, they gave me a bone, a piece of bone. It, it kind of looked like meat, and I think they were, thought they were giving me, and it was just bone. I thought, that's, that's good. That's good with me. Uh, but he says, Dad, you never even gave me a, a crummy goat. And here this irresponsible guy comes home, and you kill the fattened calf for him. I don't get it. And you can just... Not, it doesn't take a lot to understand and relate to that and feel that. You felt that about maybe not a sibling, maybe not your brother or your sister, but something in life has irritated you like that. Maybe the church made too big of a deal about somebody who finally did something and you say, I've been, I've been in here every day for 50 years and nobody ever thanked me. But you didn't give me an opportunity to celebrate Verse 30 says, but when this son, and here are the personal, uh, the possessive pronouns, but when this son of yours came, he, he's yours, dad. By the way, just in case you're wondering, he's yours. You can have him. If you're going to take him back, you can have him. 
This son of yours who has devoured your wealth with harlots, and you killed, and that, that dimension was not mentioned before, and with harlots, you killed the fattened calf for him. This, is, this doesn't make sense. He says, the, this son of yours, literally the one having devoured, and the word is uh, bion or bios, it's, it means life. We get biology from it. Uh, this son of yours has, through his life choices, consumed your very life. I remember Ravi Zacharias. You've probably heard him on radio, some of you, uh, or seen him on a video. He used to talk about money being congealed life. I thought that's pretty cool. Congealed life. It's the, if you've got assets, it's just something to show for what you've done with your life. And this father apparently had a lot of congealed life. And this younger brother has gone off and used up a lot of that congealed life. He has devoured some of your life, Dad. He's wasted family assets that you could have kept for yourself or given to me or to my kids or used more responsibly or we could have given it to people with real needs. And he's gone out and he has squandered it. Yeah, let's, let's fix a fattened calf for him. And he said to him, the father said to him, my child, my child, son, my buddy, you've always been with me and all that I have is yours. You're going to get everything that's left. Uh, you, you're the, the eldest, you're the firstborn, you're going to get more than your share, more than he was ever going to get. And you've been with me all along and wasn't that supposed to be good? And all that I have left is yours. But we had to be merry, or it was necessary for us to be merry and rejoice. For this brother of yours, this brother of yours, what did the son say? Father, this son of yours. And he says, no, this brother of yours was dead. He was not physically dead, but he was uh, for family purposes, spiritually, he was dead and lost and confused. It was it's almost worse than having a dead son, to have one out there uh, living in rebellion with an unknown future. He was dead. He's begun to live. He was lost, and he's been found. There's nothing greater that can happen to a family than for someone in that family who's been lost to come home to the family and to Christ. It is awesome when people repent. When somebody else repents, I promise you, it doesn't cost you anything. Did you know that every good thing in your life came from God? Did you know that every good thing in your life belongs to God and is going to go back to God and you will not take it with you into eternity? It's entrusted to you. And when we get too carried away with that and too possessive, we can miss the joy of what a sovereign God is doing in the lives of people. And that was Jesus' problem with the Pharisees that were nitpicking him about what was going on in Jesus' ministry. They needed to connect that and put it together and, and get the picture of how God works. Our God, our great, awesome God is in the process of redeeming lost people into his kingdom. And it's glorious. It's awesome when that happens. 
It's not a time for us to evaluate how much less lost we were than they were. All have sinned, as we heard earlier. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Uh, We are all in spiritual need. So when we see somebody else partaking of the amazing grace that we sang about and and heard the the orchestra play about, when we we see an, an enactment of that amazing grace being dispersed from a sovereign God to the hearts of people, that should thrill us more than anything else, even more than ball games. God is reaching people and calling them into relationship with him. And if it happens to be your brother, that's awesome. You and I should be burdened for our family members that are not in sync with the Lord and not sitting around piously patting ourselves on the back and saying, oh, we're so much wiser and so much more responsible and so much more spiritual than they are. Jesus says, no, no, you're you're missing it. So there are two sons here, and they both have issues. They're just different issues. One's irresponsible, one's prideful and unloving. And who does the father prefer? The father's a father. Now, I got three sons, and they're all different. And I don't, there's no way to compare them. Uh, Which one do I love the most? I, I wouldn't answer that question for a bazillion dollars. I love them all equally in different ways. I mean, we relate to each one. We talk about different subjects with different ones, enjoy different things with different ones. But I love them all, man, equally. And so did this father. These were his boys. He said, don't press me to prefer you to your brother. And God is saying, don't force me to prefer your kind of people or your little group or your little church uh, to the rest of the people I'm in the process of redeeming. We're going through on Wednesday night the book of Revelation. We're going to bring some of that uh, to Sunday morning pretty soon. But it is stunning what God is doing to redeem the nations, all kind of people. And if you're in heaven someday, you're going to look around and there are going to be all kind of people there that made you uncomfortable here. And you're going to love them. And they're going to be singing the same songs you are and it's going to be glorious. Our God is a redemptive God, a redeeming Lord, a merciful God. And he will reign forever and ever. And Jesus says, don't miss the joy of that. Don't miss the joy of what God's doing in other folks because you got some foolish pride or self-sufficiency. Our heart's desire should be to honor God in all things. And one of the priorities of our life when we're making choices and dealing with life issues ought to be, will this please the Father in heaven? If this makes God happy, this makes me happy. If this doesn't make God happy, this doesn't make me happy. I am here because I love the Lord. And Jesus is calling us all to an inward self-examination. Now, we've looked at this three weeks, this one parable, and we've seen it first of all, and Jesus presented it most of all as a gospel presentation uh, to say, 
prodigals come home. There, there is a, a father in heaven with arms open wide and mercy abounds. It's all about amazing, undeserved favor from God to sinful people. And then we've made this spinoff application each week that connects with family life. If there's somebody in your personal family that's struggling spiritually, don't sit around at lunch and rake them over the coals. Love that person, pray for them, build bridges to them, let them know that you love them, care for them, get them a new Bible, do, do whatever the Lord might lead you to do to reach and build in a positive way to that brother or that sister of yours. May God's mercy reflected in this parable be reflected in our homes and in our church homes, in our Christian walk and Christian faith. I want to ask you to bow your heads. And as we pray, we are mindful that when we come to the Lord's table, the scriptures teach us to be self-examining and so let us do that together. Father, we're grateful this morning that you are a God whose arms are open wide. We're grateful that you are a, a compassionate God who looks down the road for our return, who kills the fattened calf on our behalf in countless ways to show your love for us and not because we deserve it. We're grateful for an amazing salvation through Jesus Christ. May we be rejoicing in that today. Now we know that Jesus left the table as a table of remembrance for us that we might look back at the price that was paid for that redemption, for that salvation we have in Christ. Father, as we gather, we ask that you'd reveal to us, even at this moment, uh, sins that might be in our lives, things that dis defeat us, that cause us to squander our lives and our time and our resources, things that are not of you, reveal those things to us that we too, like the younger son, might come home and repent of those things and get some things right in our hearts. Be with us and guide us as we uh, confess before you and seek to remember the gospel through the table. We pray in Jesus' name.